So I'm drawn to it while I'm waiting to get my oil changed. It pulls me when I sit at my son's football practice. It's the loudest voice in my home vying for attention. It's an instrument of seduction that has enslaved many, many hearts. It's my phone. It's my phone. In one sense, this piece of technology is amoral. It's just hardware, it's wires and circuit boards, it's ones and zeros. But it's also capable, this device of enslaving you. And and it's not just the phone. There There are numerous ways to consume and be consumed by digital media, by social media, things like Movies, television, video games, shopping, news, business. We can do everything online, so we do everything online. But the phone is kind of a token because we can do all of those things on this one device. We check our smartphones 81,500 times a year. That is the average. That is once every four minutes. On average, a social, an average social media user, mark that word's user, spends two hours and 24 minutes per day online. So you may spend more time with other people's digital families than your actual families. I mean, we, we have a problem. We have an addiction. And the documentary, The Social Dilemma, which I encourage every single person here to watch, uh, academic Edward Tuff said there are only two industries that call their customers users, illegal drugs and software. You're addicted and we're addicted and I'm addicted and it's not by accident. Another scholar, Freddie DeBoer, had this to say, Silicon Valley is constantly in the process of manipulating your brain chemistry to suit its ends, deliberately and directly. Tech companies spend untold millions of dollars engineering ways to alter your mind. The way online life changes, the way you think, is not an accident. It is the result of a very conscious and nefarious decision by powerful corporations to monetize the malleability of our psychological selves. So when you feel like you can't stop checking Facebook every five minutes, when you stare at your phone despite knowing that you're being rude in doing so, when you lie awake at night on Instagram, even though you've made up your conscious mind not to do so, these things are happening because engineers have set out to manipulate you. They have control over you, real control. None of it's an accident. All of it is done because it's profitable. We are addicted to the digital life and it's it's just not a good thing. And the solution to this issue, it's not going to be found in the fields of psychology or sociology. I truly believe for Christians who are addicted to, to this device or these devices or these things, it is not a psychological issue primarily. It is not a sociological, cultural issue primarily. It is a theological issue primarily. There is something that we aren't getting right about God. 
And that is affecting the way we consume other things. There's something about our belief in God that is off. And this morning, I pray through through looking at God's word, through talking through these theological themes, we can begin to go countercultural and break the chains of these devices. Now, many of you are saying, I need this device. And, and, and in many ways, it is ingrained into what we do, how we do business. But that's different than being enslaved to it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Look at Exodus 21 through 3. We're going to be hopping around. So if you're really good at flipping through your Bible, you can do that. Or you can take that amoral device and use your phone and uh, find the passages we're doing. I didn't say it's all bad. I just said it can be bad. And so go to Exodus 21 through 3. Exodus 21 through 3. And you should know this. This is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And so cultural knows are the Ten Commandments. And in some places, they're still out in front of government buildings. And, and it's just culturally accepted that, hey, these are good rules to maybe live by. You know, don't be covetous. You know, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't lie, cheat, steal. But the first one, he says this in Exodus 21 through 3. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he talks about not making idols. And why does he take the first commandment and even the second commandment and address this issue of idolatry, worshiping other gods? Because God knows that Fallen humanity, we tend to worship things that aren't God. We tend to put other things in our life on the throne of our hearts instead of God. And we often think that idolatry is one of many sins, but it isn't. I truly believe it's the great sin that all others come from. We tend to think of idols as golden calves worshipped by lesser primitive beings. And we think of statues and weird gods that that look weird and do weird things and that are evil in nature. But an idol is really anything that competes with God for our heart's affections. Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones said, an idol is usually whatever rouses and attracts me so easily that I give my time, my attention, my energy, and my money to it effortlessly. Simply put, it's anything we put before God or anything we use to do only what God can really do. So it may be a functional God for us. And just because we don't worship at the Egyptian god, uh, the altar of the Egyptian god of Ra or the Egyptian god of Isis, it doesn't mean our American gods are any less powerful or numerous. I would say today we worship more gods than they worshiped back then. And they had a god on every block and every district. Pastor Tim Keller has a really uh, great book and he's actually written about this in numerous books and he he talks about idolatry in a really profound way 
And he talks about surface idols and he talks about the deep idols of our hearts. So we could talk about somebody's struggle with food and say, hey, they worship food. Everything's about food or lust or greed or money or cheating or substance abuse or spending too much time uh, looking at a screen. But there is always something underneath a deep idol driving that behavior. They are the deep idols of our hearts. Deep idols are the motivating voices behind our external behaviors. So when your phone is the first thing you reach for when you wake up and, and the last thing you put down before you shut your eyes, when your screen time numbers, which Apple came out with this a few years ago, when you can actually see how many times you're picking up your phone and viewing your phone, when your screen time numbers are embarrass, embarrassingly high, There's actually something going on at a deeper level in your heart. There's some sort of deep idol, something hidden, something below the surface. And Keller talks about a number of deep idols. He talks about the deep idol of control. He says, this, it sounds like this, if I can just maintain influence or mastery over this situation, these people, my performance, my schedule, my income, or whatever, then I'll be content, strong, and safe. That's the deep idol of control. Many of us really struggle with control. He talks about the idol of significance, the deep idol of significance. It's, the, it's that person says, If this person, this social group, these colleagues in my profession, if they find me worthy of attention or love, if they acknowledge my value or greatness, as long as I'm not disgraced before them, then I'll be worthy, important, and acceptable. I walk around the high school every day. I see the deep idol of significance being worshiped regularly. I hear it in the way students talk and the way they treat one another. And then he talks about the deep idol of comfort. It says this, if I can just maintain physical ease or relaxation, if life can just be laid back even for a few minutes, if I can just keep away from stress or responsibility, If I can just experience some pleasure, relief, or enjoyment in the moment, then life will be more fulfilling, easy, fun, worth living, or thrilling. I'm convinced that our obsession with the digital world and the device we all all hold in our pockets and our hands is driven by the comfort idol. We want relief. We want distraction. We want to get away. What do you do when life is hard? Where do you go? Where do you seek comfort? Where is your sanctuary? 
You had a terrible day at the office. You're, you're, you know, your kids are stressful. Guess what? Kids are stressful. You're fighting with your spouse. Guess what? You'll fight with your spouse. Your freshman football team keeps losing, uh, which we won yesterday uh, for the first time all year. Uh, but before that, man, I was stressed on Saturday evenings after our games. You know, if you're balding, where do you go to ease your heart? to get away from the stresses and the responsibilities in your life? Where do you turn? Is it to God or is it somewhere else, to television? Is it to, you, do you go in your garage and escape? Do you run away from your family or is it easy to reach for that device and just to start scrolling? If it's the latter, you are using something in the place of God to comfort your heart. Comfort has become a functional idol in your life. And you may be like, Larry, man, you're being harsh here. Are you saying every time I pick up my phone, I'm committing an act of idolatry? It's like, no. But guys, when we look at just the averages, the amount of time, if we're really honest with ourselves, this obsession with this thing or these things, these devices, this world, this app, I don't know what else to call it. When we speak, when we, when we seek it for, for so many hours out of the day, for comfort, for ease, for joy, for fulfillment. Look at Psalm 46. Go to Psalm 46. I'm going to press into this a little more. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. I also have it up here on the screen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. God is our refuge. He's our strength in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of stress. And it's easy to forget that and to run to our phones. Look at Romans 15. Go to Romans 15, verse 13. I'm really testing your biblical acumen and where things are at. Romans 15, 13. It's also on the screen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God is the one who fills us with joy and peace. I, when I escape into Netflix to find a moment of peace, just leave me alone. Let me have some peace here. When I run to a video game for an hour or four for joy, to relax, when I spend hours on social media just distracting myself, just trying to get away for a quick mini vacation, I am using those things as a substitute for God. And there's no other term to describe that than idolatry. Tristan Harris, a former design ethicist at Google, notice former design ethicist at Google, he said this, we're training and conditioning a whole new generation of people 
that when we're uncomfortable or lonely or uncertain or afraid, we have a digital pacifier for ourselves that's kind of atrophying our own ability to deal with that. We have a digital pacifier that helps us when we're frustrated or upset or lonely. God wants to be the source of your comfort. God wants to be the source of your peace, our contentment and joy. He wants to speak to our loneliness, our hearts, our stress, our uncertainty. But we daily say, no thanks. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I know you can do those things, but I'm gonna try this thing first. I just think about God every time I, I, I go into to a hole and I, you know, I'm spending an hour, two hours on social media just straight. And I'm just like, I just want to get away. And it's like, I just want to get to my video games and, or I want to watch Netflix or whatever it is. I just, sometimes I just think God is just sitting there like, what are you doing? Like, I'm right here. I am the real answer to what your heart truly needs. Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you seek me out? You're putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound by putting your face in that thing again. It's not going to help you. Only I can as God. Which brings me to another thought. Idolatry in any form will always let you down. Digital idolatry will not give you what it promises. Turn to Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. This is a profound passage. And I first came across this when we were doing the 33 series uh, for our men when we were talking about idolatry. But look at Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. This is God condemning his people. And their false worship. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But he says, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's saying they're, they're, they're worshiping gods in hopes that these gods can give them certain things. And God is saying these gods are nothing but broken cisterns. They cannot nourish you. They cannot quench your thirst. They cannot deliver on what they promise. The digital world, our smartphones, social media, the internet will never give you what your heart truly needs and desires. They always overpromise and underdeliver. They say, if you give me your heart, you'll find rest and happiness and maybe a little joy. Scroll away on the internet and you'll be satisfied. There's a major problem. They always write checks that their little digital mouths can't cash. They can't deliver what you need. 
In the article, The Scrolling Soul, author Jeff Minji says, scrolling, just the, the endless scrolling of news and social media and what to watch, what to look at, just that endless scrolling, it discourages deep delight. Scrolling by nature keeps us on the surface, always consuming tasty treats, but rarely nourished by anything satisfying. The scrolling soul spends countless hours searching for the type of satisfaction that can only be found in Christ. Scrolling shrivels your soul as it pulls it in a thousand different directions. It distracts you from the greatest object your soul could ever love and the most glorious truths your eyes and ears could ever behold. Last passage, look at John 6, 35. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Seeking comfort and satiation for our hearts in anything other than God will only leave us more hungry. Jesus is the only thing that nourishes our souls in a real and lasting way. Everything else leads to death and brokenness. And guys, there are studies after studies after studies done linking things like screen time, social media use, and internet addiction with things like depression, anxiety, aggression, phobias, broken relationships, isolation, and loneliness. And the crazy part is we know this. Like, like, we know this. No one is like, when I open my phone and I see that I've been on there for four hours, four hours on Netflix today, nobody's like, man, that was time well spent. You know, I sat there on social media and I just was scrolling and scrolling and, and scrolling. And you know what? I feel refreshed and energized. Like, we know it's bad for us. Yet we still do it. And we look at people who, who are on drugs and we're like, well, how could they do that? How could they do that? They know it's bad for them. They know it's hurting them to everybody. How can they do that? And we do the exact same thing with an iPhone. We act like an addict. We want to stop, but we can't. Digital idolatry is real. It is real. And our, respond, and our response to it needs to be real. How do we deal with the comfort idol and specifically this manifestation of it? Because I'm not going to be legalistic here. There are many of you who use your phones for business. I know that this, it's just our kids are using iPads to do homework and it, 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 you're not going to get away from it in this day and age unless you just want to live in a cabin off the grid, uh, grow an awesome beard, and not talk to anybody. It's just very hard in our day and age to get away from this. My 90-year-old grandmother emails and texts and does that. And, so, and it's not all bad. But our approach to it, because of sin, has gotten out of hand. I'd really say that as a church. I say that to myself. 
I am not in a healthy place. In many ways, when I think of a, a sermon series to preach through, I'm like, what do I need to hear right now? So how do we deal with this idol? I imagine people in Moses' time hearing this, this commandment to, to have no other gods before the one true God. To, to, and I imagine people during Jesus' time hearing, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is exclusively the one true God that we worship and praise. And I, and I just imagine people maybe going home and, and looking up on their shelf and there's a representation of the idol they worship, grabbing that thing and, and, and just smashing it on the ground. I don't imagine them being like, oh, hey, let's just pack this up real nicely and just you know put it away for later in case we need this weird God uh, later. I, I imagine them hearing this and going, man, I gotta, I gotta destroy this idol in my life in a very real way. And so what we're going to do is I need everybody to throw up your phones, uh, throw them up. We're going to crush them. Uh, we're going to have an old fashioned CD burning party like they used to do in youth groups. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. So, so it's, how do we crush the power of this idol over our lives? And I think there's really two steps. The first is to stop using it for comfort. Stop using that thing for comfort. Ask God. Help me to see those things for what they are. False imitations, small g gods that overpromise and under-deliver. Idols that will never heal my heart so that I may crush the power of this object over me. And it doesn't matter if you're bored. It doesn't matter if you're stressed. It doesn't matter if you're lonely. It doesn't matter if you're looking for 15 minutes to fill while you're waiting for your oil to be changed. Put that idol down. And I'm going to make the boldest challenge I have ever made as a pastor in my 15 years plus of pastoring. No optional media for a week. Think you can do that? No. Hear me out. <laughs> oh, sure. No social media for a week. <laughs> Shut down Netflix for a week. I will let you, I will let you, like I'm commanding these things. I suggest, you can watch the Bronco game today because some of you are just ridiculously obsessed with that. That's next week. We're talking about Bronco worship. You know, starting tomorrow, you know, binge today, I guess. Uh, start tomorrow. Turn off your TV. Do not aimlessly scroll the internet. If you need to pay a bill, fine. But if you are 30 minutes deep into some weird article about otters, put it down. Drop the controller. Children and adults, students, who I love dearly. Put it down. Get off. Do not aimlessly scroll. Do not take it to bed. Do not eat breakfast with it. Stop using it for comfort for a week. Let's, let's just for one week try to put down God's competition. 
And if you really struggle with this, if you really struggle with this, that may reveal that deep idol of comfort in your heart. And it may be something you need to do more often. We're going to talk about other challenges in the coming week. But just this first week, let's, let's remove that temptation for, for optional media. Now, if you work and you need to check your phone and emails, my encouragement to you is maybe put down your phone after a certain time, when you get home or after five o'clock. Don't, don't bring it to the dinner table. Check it when your kids maybe go to bed. But when your kids, especially when your kids are around, man, put that thing down even for work. I know that's not optional, but you can, you can set some good boundaries there, some healthy boundaries. But what do I do if I get that itch, Larry? What if I start tweaking? What if I start jonesing to pick up that phone? Because, guys, it's, you'll be there. and you'll, it's, just, it's like habit. If you keep the phone at home, what do you usually do? You reach to, oh, it's at home. It's like, it's like the one true ring and Lord of the Rings for most of us is how you treat your precious. You're going to tweet. You're going to get triggered. You're, you're going to be jonesing for that phone. So what do you do? Okay, so if the first part of this is to, to stop using that idol for comfort, that's the first way to smash that idol. Second, begin anew seeking God for what only he can give. Ask God this this week. May you take your rightful place in my heart. Tell God every time you're tempted to pick up that device, you alone are my rock and my shield, my one comfort, my fount of lasting joy, my full cistern. Counter the lies of these idols with truth. God has given me everything of value. This thing will give me nothing of value. And look at that and say, be gone, Satan, and throw it off. And instead of reading a, a bunch of posts from people who don't know what they're doing and don't know what they're talking about, which is 95% of social media, read God's word. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. Start with one of the gospels. Look at who he is, how he treats his children and what that means for our daily lives. Memorize scripture, go outside, read a book about following Jesus. Do anything that turns your hearts to him. Our God, our father in heaven has, has saved us from death. His son paid the price for our sins so that we could live in him. He has saved us from sin's punishment, separation from God. He will one day save us from sin's presence. Guys, we will get to be with him forever without the effects of sin. And today, he is the one most capable of saving you from your own fears, anxieties, doubts, in worries. Let us stop using cheap substitutes. Amen?